You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Megan Turner. that here at Cathedral, we love Christmas, intensely love Christmas. And I also know that for everybody, that Christmas is not the most wonderful time of the year. So we take great pride here at Cathedral to make every Sunday as special and as unique as possible so that you can step in here and experience God and experience Christmas and shake off everything else that is going on. So that's our goal. We're looking forward to the next few weeks. We've been challenged, Eddie and I, to take the 12 days of Christmas and make it as creative as possible. So that's on the docket. And then as always, Christmas Eve is on the docket. So we're excited. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but I have a new accessory. And um, that is because the other day when me and Dave were speaking together and everybody's eyes were closed and heads were bowed and we were having salvation, he told me that I missed over half of the hands that were raised. And so I went to the doctor and I was like, I don't think I can see And he was like, no, ma'am, you can't. You can't, see. And uh, I was like, I don't understand how it happened so fast. Like, my last eye appointment was great. And he said, well, your last eye appointment was in 2013. So, uh, but it's not a big deal. Don't worry. He said that this is normal. It happens around the age of 29. And since that's my age, um, that's when they start to go bad. So here's the thing, though. I've never been up here with them. And so I'm going to try them. But don't let it be a distraction, this accessory, Okay. And I take them on and off some. I haven't quite figured it out yet. Okay. All right. So I want to jump into the message this morning. I want to talk to you. And I want to pop into the Christmas story. But I want to start in the part of the Christmas story where Mary has already been told that she's going to have a baby. Joseph has already been informed that his wife is going to have a baby. Um, They have already been informed that there's a census and they have to travel all the way to Bethlehem. And so that has all happened. And I want to pop in at Matthew 2, chapter 2, verse 2. And it says this, and they were saying they would be the wise men when they showed up. And they were saying, where is he who has been born? the king of the Jews for we saw a star in the east and have come to worship him so these wise men far from these the best speculation is that they were somewhere around India so this is a really long trek for them to have made all the way to Bethlehem to find baby Jesus and so they get there and they're like the star led us here where is he where is he now I can imagine these men the, when you hear they followed a star, you have to understand that that was something that was studied a lot. So they really studied the sky. So they were waiting with a great anticipation for a Messiah. Uh, religion was really hard. It was all about the rules. It was, it was a graceless environment. And so everything that you did, which would be all of us, because we're all born in a sinful nature, every, there, there was no... There was no forgiveness for that, and specifically around a lot of the religious leaders. They would have to bring a sacrifice, and it would be a perfect animal that they would have to sacrifice. So so trying to find the struggle between how imperfect I am, but trying to find something perfect, it, it was a struggle. And so they knew that the day that this Messiah would come that everything was going to change. And so they had waited for hundreds of years for his arrival. And so this star, when it showed up, the wise men knew, this is what we've been looking for. This is it. This is it. And so they follow it 
all the way there. And I am a visual person and I, I imagine things visually. So I feel like I can see these wise men when they showed up where Jesus is. I, I can see them falling on their knees and thinking, it doesn't have to be the way it's always been. Thank you, God. Finally, finally there's an answer. And then I can imagine their gratitude for the start. Because when me and Luke get somewhere, I'm super grateful that we have Waze or Apple Maps because I, I vividly remember my parents with like the road map, you know, the, the, the big old paper and mom would highlight the route we were going to take. And I, I have a hard time following Google Maps. Um, Luke said, baby, it just said to take a turn in 300 feet. I'm like, really, what is 300 feet though? Is it from here to you or is it from here to the back of the sanctuary? I, it, I don't, it's, it's a hard gauge. So I can't imagine following a star and I can't imagine how grateful they were. Like, I can hear them saying things like, can you actually believe that that star led us all the way here? I mean, who would have thought that that one star would have got us here? I mean, we've been waiting for it. We were anticipating, but it actually finally happened. I, I can imagine, it says actually in Matthew that they fell on their knees, that they were overjoyed um, whenever they saw the star. And so what else to me is, um, is crazy is that God chose this one star, this Christmas star, to stand out and to be a directional guide for these men that were searching and seeking for Jesus. So this one star, have you ever taken a gander out at the stars at night? Have you ever? I mean, so I have a story to tell you. One time I was, I was dating this guy. Dating is not the right term because he was new in town and my mom was like, he doesn't know anybody. You really need to, to go somewhere with him and help him get to know everybody. So we went out to dinner and that night at the end of the dinner, he was like, the Lord told me that me, a 23 year old and you, the 19 year old girl that you are, that we're going to get married. And I was like, hmm, well, the Lord hasn't told me that. My mom told me I had to go to dinner with you. But other than that, <laughs> Um, I've, and so we made this agreement that we were only going to be friends. I wasn't interested in dating, but he didn't know anybody. So we were going to be friends, but he was a diehard romantic. So he loved to plan these really romantic dates. And I'm like, but we're just friends and that's awkward. And so one night he said, we're going to go look at the stars. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know this is a good idea. We, we go, I meet him here in the church parking lot. We get out and it's the most dramatic scene you've ever seen. He is hitting himself on the head and he's like, oh, 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 we can't go look at the stars. Oh. And I'm like, what, what does my mom have? What? He's like, we can't go look at the stars because Charleston is so light polluted. He's like, so I've made reservations downtown and there's a limo that's going to take us and a private horse and carriage afterwards. And I was like, you don't even know how to be friends. So that was the end of the relationship. We couldn't even be friends. And that line, the way that he acted in the middle of the parking lot about Charleston being so light polluted and not being able to see the stars has always stuck with me. Um, because that's how I've always seen the stars. So recently, I was out at a, a hunting property with Luke, and there was this really tall, tall tower. And we climbed up there, and it was like 9 or 10 o'clock at night, and we were laying flat, and we were looking, and it was 
breathtaking to look at all the stars. And I had this like 19 year memory flashback of him saying, Charleston is so light polluted. And I was like, I get it. You can see the stars so much better when there's not a bunch of light around. Have you ever taken a look out in the country when there's no lights? It really is breathtaking. But did you know that even when you're out there on the clearest night, things are, are, there's no clouds and it's clear and you're in the country and you're a hundred feet up in the air. At best, our naked eye can see like 6,000 stars. But do you know how many stars are actually out there? This was fun. I've asked a few people this. So this is, and I had no clue whenever I started this, this search. But so in, in our galaxy, which is the Milky Way, in our galaxy, they, they are approximately, now obviously they have no way of knowing, approximately 100 billion stars just in our galaxy, just in the Milky Way. Do you know how many galaxies they estimate to be out there? Two trillion. So if approximately every Milky Way has 100 billion stars, then the number of those stars would be 200 billion trillion stars, which is actually 200 sextillion stars. That is a ton of stars, okay? That is a ton of stars. So when you think about it like that, you have to imagine the miracle that happened that of all of those stars, one star, One star stood out to them. They knew which star it was. They knew to follow this star and it led them exactly to the place of their savior. That is a miracle. And here's what I think. I I believe that there are no accidents. I do not believe that that was an accident. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that star was called and it was ordained and that it was set apart by God to be a directional path for those men that were seeking Jesus. And here's what I believe for you and I. I believe that this day and age, we live in a really dark world with billions of people. And I believe that it's no accident that you and I are here where we are, living amongst the people that we are living, the jobs that we have, the neighborhoods that we live in. I believe that it's no accident. And I believe it is now our job to be a star and to be a directional path to those that are searching and that are seeking Jesus. We are the Christmas star. That's now our role. And the truth is, if you think about it and you think about you sitting in this room, whether you know Jesus and you have a relationship with him or not, or you're on a journey and you're searching and you're seeking to find him. I believe that every one of us had a star or multiple people that were stars that at some point were a directional shifter in our life. Somebody did something that we saw and we thought that there's something different about what they've got going on, whether it was, um, a gracious mother or a godly father or a praying grandparent or a teacher or a friend or a coworker, or a, a neighbor or a pastor or a coach, somebody, because of someone's light, you experienced some sort of love or tenderness. You saw someone's family that was different or you saw someone's joy that they had that, that was different than what you had in your life. And at some point you're going this way and something happened and it changed the direction that led you into this room. Am I right? I mean, there has to be more people sitting in this room other than Luke, whose high school and college friends would be floored that they know you were sitting in a church right here in 2022, right? 
something happened in our life that changed the, direction, the directional path of where we're going. And I, I believe that's what we're called. And I think Christmas is a really sweet time um, for, for us to start to remember and to think about the ones that, that led us here. I know for me, um, my mother is, is such a godly woman and was such a directional star for me. But when I really think, I feel like the, the things that I watched in my dad... If I were to put onto someone that I would say, I saw something, a different level of love. I watched, and it had nothing to do with him up here on, on the stage. It was everyday life. I watched how when we were driving down the road, if there was ever someone that was pulled over on the side of the road that something was wrong with their car. No matter where we were going, no matter what kind of time crunch we were on, he always stopped and made sure they were okay. I watched him over the years go to the same restaurant, to the same place to get his hair cut, do the same things over and over again just so that he could develop a relationship with someone that didn't know Jesus. And I watched him share the love of Jesus in the way that he acted, not just the things that he said. I watched people, whenever we were walking to a restaurant and there would be an elder person sitting by themselves at the table, always, 100% of the time, him acknowledge them, ask if they needed someone to come sit with. And so for me, I, I saw the direction of a different kind of love that stood out from, from everyone else. And I, I do think it's a sweet time for you and I during the holiday season to just think, who was it in your life? Why are you sitting here? Why, what, who was it that at some point said, you said, there's something different about what they've got than what I, what I knew. And then to ask yourself, who, who am I being a star for? I think the truth is oftentimes we really disqualify ourselves from thinking of ourselves as a star. It's interesting because the, the Lord loves to take a broken story. I mean, all of us are broken. We've all fallen short. We're all sinners. And what scripture says is he wants to take our life, redeem our life. And then what I love is it says people, other people are changed by the word of our testimony. So what God does in our life is actually what helps us shine bright in other people's life. But it's funny because the enemy loves to take the mistakes that we've made in our life and he loves to give us a little voice in the back of our head that causes us to deem ourselves unworthy. Like our shortcomings are a little bit too much. We don't quite have it together enough to influence someone else's life. Or he really loves to convince us that we're not qualified, that we don't know enough Bible information to ever have a conversation with someone else. He loves that. But I want to share a story with you, which is one of my favorite stories in Scripture, because really the Bible is made of, of imperfect people that God uses, and he takes and uses it, which is all of us. Um, but one specific story is found in Joshua, and let me, I don't even know where I am in my notes. Okay, and Joshua, um, Joshua is sending, so the children of Israel, they have, they have been rescued out of slavery. They're wandering in the desert. They're trying to find where they're gonna live and where they're gonna settle. And so Joshua sends two spies um, into the land of Jericho and they're going to see, can we conquer this land? Is this something that we can take over? Could this, is this possible? And so they send two spies and two spies, they end up staying with a lady by the name of Rahab. Rahab is a prostitute. She is a woman of the night and they stay with her. She hides them. The government finds they're there. She hides them. She takes care of them. She helps them get out and sneak out to get back and then ultimately come and they're able to take over the land. She barters with the two spies and she says, I will do this and I will take care of you 
if when I, I, I know who your God is, we've heard the stories of your God. We heard about him parting the Red Sea and delivering his people. I believe your God is the God. And I want to ask, when you come take over my city, will you spare me? Will you save me? And will you save my whole family? She's not just worried about herself. She's worried about our whole family. So they give her his, their word that they will. When the city is taken down, not only does God save her and her family, but listen to the story. Listen to the redemption of Rahab. And I want you to think about your story and your shortcomings. Because I feel like if anybody could tell themselves that they were disqualified to be used by God, it would be a woman in a city that was a prostitute trying to make it work for her family. Okay, But God, listen to what God does. Rahab ends up marrying a Jewish prince. Okay, he takes a prostitute and turns her to a princess. And then they have a son, and the, the son's name is Boaz. Boaz has a son named Obed. Obed has a son named Jesse. Jesse has a son named David. Rahab is the great, great, great grandmother of the greatest king in the entire Old Testament. And then, a little more Bible trivia, from the lineage of David, of King David, comes our Savior, Jesus Christ. So he takes a woman of the night, and he turns her into a woman to be used by God. And then when you open the New Testament in Matthew chapter 1, right there, the first book of the New Testament in the first chapter, there's a lineage of Jesus Christ, and there her name is written, Rahab. The prostitute was turned into a princess. And even if you go back in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, if you read through Hebrews chapter 11, it's known kind of um, in the Christian world as like the, the chapter of the people, uh, the hall of faith, if you will. So like instead of the hall of faith, I mean hall of fame, it's the hall of faith. Rahab is one of only two women that are mentioned in the entire chapter of women, the hall of faith, her and Abraham's wife. Because God, he doesn't take the, or the people that are already got it all together and, and make, it, make them worthy of doing it. He takes all of your mistakes and he wants to use all of that. He doesn't, he doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. Does that make sense? He's got a plan. So even Rahab was a star at a really desperately needed time. And you and I are called to be stars for people, especially during this Christmas season. And so you might ask yourself, well, Meg, how do I become a star? How do I do that? Um, well, you got to get people starstruck. Have you ever seen people that are, are, are starstruck? I like to claim that I'm not one of those people that are easily starstruck. But there was this one time. And if you ask me to tell you the story and you ask Luke to tell you the story, we have very different versions of the story. But I'm on stage, so I'm going to tell the story. Um, we were in Las Vegas we were staying at Mandalay Bay. Luke's dad was there doing um, a conference, so we were with him. We walked through the casino. We were headed to our elevator, and we walk in the elevator, and we're standing there, and Hulk Hogan walks into the elevator with us. And I, 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 I mean, I don't have a thing for Hulk Hogan. I, I don't think that Hulk Hogan is cute. And I, if, I mean, if I were going to list, like, the top 500 people I'd want to meet, he wouldn't make the top 500 list. So it's not like... Oh, it's not like there's anything there for Hulk. Uh, but he, he, he had, his arm had a muscle on it. And, um, <laughs> and so, and so I, I said something like, oh my gosh, babe, Hulk Hogan's right there. 
his version of the story is that I was like, giddy. giddy. <laughs> you would describe me as being giddy over Hulk. With the hands, giddy. <laughs> Spin around. Yeah. I don't recall spinning around at all. You think I spun? There wasn't room to spin in the elevator. I said, babe, there's Hulk Hogan, in case you didn't notice. Uh, he says, I was like, it's Hulk Hogan! Hulk Hogan is in the elevator with us right now! I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I guess that will have to just be, we'll just agree to disagree. But um, I was, the only thing that was, was star-striking is his head was large. Very large, like a little unproportionately large. Anyway, um, but I think if, if we are going to, so we live in a world, truthfully, here, if I, if I can be serious for just a second, I, we live in a world where I think people are really searching and seeking. And here's the truth. I don't think that they know that they're searching and seeking. I, I think that they think that they live in a world where we have all of the answers. We have technology. We have all of these advances that have happened. And I think they have no idea the hole that is on the inside of them, that they're looking for something. And and questions are being asked on the inside of them, like, is there more? Is there more out there? Why am I here? What am I supposed to do? What? I don't know that they recognize the longing for something different. I think there is a plethora of religions and gods and spiritual practices and vibes and all of that out there that I think people are very confused by. And so they're looking for a star. They're looking for a directional guide to lead them to the truth. You have the answer. The enemy wants to keep you feeling disqualified. God has qualified you. And so this is how you be a star. You be Jesus to everyone you meet. That's our, that is, you know, one time we did a series and we talked about um, man being fully alive. I think being fully alive is when something on the inside of you resonates and radiates so much that you begin to direct lost people to be able to find Jesus. I think for me, my goal in life is whenever I, I encounter someone, I want them to walk away and feel like I made a deposit in their life. I want when people are with Luke and I for them to say, I, there's a hope for marriage. There's a hope for my children. Children. There's a hope for happiness. I want to make that deposit. And a friend of mine gave a book to me, and I, I would encourage you if you have children, I'm not going to read it to you because we don't have time, but it's called this, um, How Full Is Your Bucket? And it's a story about a little boy and has a sister. And he's unaware of the fact that everybody has an imaginary bucket. And everything you say or do either makes a deposit or a subtraction out of the bucket. And it's a great way for kids to kind of figure out phrases like, that's weird, or I don't like that. That, that, that too, although it might not feel mean, still can make a withdrawal from your bucket. And what it feels like when our bucket gets empty and how to recognize that feeling. And so I thought when I was thinking through this message and I was thinking through our privilege and opportunity um, especially during this Christmas season, to be a star for people that are searching and to be a guide for people that are searching. What if we imagined everybody had a bucket? Y'all thought this was the accessory, didn't you? <laughs> Luke and Dave kept saying, you're going to wear it the whole time. You're going to wear that the whole time? It's the last illustration of the message. You're going you're gonna to have it like, the whole time. Because I don't want you to forget it. I want this Christmas season when you leave today, 
I want you to know a few things. One, that you're qualified. The scripture says that anybody that is in Christ is a new creation. So whatever, whatever mistakes you've made right now, wipe that. Don't let the enemy hold that over your head to disqualify you. And when you walk out of the store, I want you to think of yourself, of all the billions of stars, all the billions of people, it is no accident that you are where you are. And that this season, this holiday season, what would be the greatest gift of all is if you were to guide and lead someone to the Jesus Christ Savior that could change their whole life. And so I want you to imagine every person you encounter, every server, every person at the gas station, every neighbor, every child that you see, every struggling single mom, every dad working to make inmates to try to make Christmas happen. I want you to see a bucket on every single person. And I want you to think of your opportunity. Paul says, emulate me, be like me because I'm trying to be like Christ. I want you to try to be Jesus to someone. And so every time you're with someone, I want you to ha have the opportunity and see their bucket and you imagine, I am going to be directional path for them today and constantly make deposits in every person that you see. Because here's the deal. The rest of the world is making withdrawals. Everywhere people go, they feel like they're not quite measuring up. And at some point, if every time they encounter you, they walk away and their bucket feels more full, at some point they're going to say to themselves, Why? What do they have? What is different about that one person of all the billions of people, just like the wise men did 2,000 Christmases ago when they looked up in the sky and they knew there was something different about that star, that this Christmas in 2022, that when people are looking at all the billions of people, that they will say, every time I'm with them, something is different. Something ha There's a deposit made in me that feels completely different. The band is going to come out. And we're going to sing one song before we go. And what I want you to do during this song is I just want it to be kind of the beginning and start of the Christmas season. I know that it's busy. I know that it's hectic. I know that some people dread this time of the year. But what I want you to do is I want you to take a moment during this song, and I just want you to thank God for whoever it was that's, that has been a directional star in your life. And maybe you've had multiple ones. I want you to just thank God. And then I want you to have a conversation with yourself and the Lord. And I want you to say, God, would you please help me be a star? Would you help me be more aware of the people around me and the buckets that you've placed around me? Because this Christmas, I truly want to be a directional guide to anybody that would be seeking and searching to find a Savior. So let's sing and then we'll come back and close. Okay, here's the deal. This is what I, as you leave, this is what I'm gonna bless you with. I bless you this week that every single face that you look in this week, every set of eyes that you make eye contact with, that you would see them and know that Jesus loves them enough, not just enough to go to hell and back for them, but he did go to hell and back for them. They are his child. You are qualified and you might just be the only directional guide to a lost, seeking, searching, broken soul. So I just bless you with the ability to shine really bright, really bright. I have two announcements before you go. If you're looking to take the next step, um, if you've given your heart to Christ, you're wanting to talk to someone, you need someone to help pray for you, you're looking for a star, 
um, or you're just wanting to get plugged in and get involved and know what the next step is. We don't have growth track during December, which is our next step program. So we've got two tables on either side right here with some of our growth track crew standing over here. They'd love to chat with you, get that information, pray with you, anything you need. So find your way over there. Um, we would like to help you shine bright. So when you're walking out, there are invite cards to Christmas Eve. So it's a great opportunity to take as many as you feel like you can hand out at restaurants. But here's what I ask is give them when you you give kindness with them, okay? Do not leave it in lieu of a tip. Um, do leave it, leave it with an extra large tip. So uh, take those, invite people to Christmas. I bless you. May the Lord keep you, bless you, cause His face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you. I bless you to shine bright and be a directional path that He has called you to be in 2023, 2022. Bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.